one person awake this evening. Probably. <laughs> okay, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Jonah. Again, chapter 4 this time. Here's writing utensils if anybody needs one. Two. The book of Jonah. Jonah, chapter 4, we are on lesson 11, Three more, two more lessons after this week, um, and that actually concludes our um, study in Jonah here. Uh, Jonah, chapter 4, we'll read the first two verses here. Jonah, f- chapter 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. What had displeased him, by the way? Verse 10, right? Verse 10, verse 2, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of of the evil. Let's go ahead and pray before we get going in here. Lord, I do thank you for just the, the opportunity, the privilege to be able to, to lead this lesson tonight, um, Sunday evening service, and thank you for those who are here, those that are uh, not able to be here, that you would just give them safety and uh, bring, back the, bring them back to us again, and those who maybe could be here um, but aren't, but you'd work in, in those as well. And I pray for um, just the lesson tonight, just please help me as... Um, um, the study that you just take me out of the way, that your word would just be able to come through and be evident, and that um, it should work in my life and the lives of others as, uh, as we look at this lesson tonight, um, that there'd be something in it for everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, often the greatest tests come in our lives after some of the greatest victories. Um, of course, think of the Lord's baptism and then the words from heaven, no, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, and Immediately after that, it says, and the thing is, the Spirit driveth them into the wilderness. Then there is in there the temptation of the devil in the desert there. No sooner had Elijah called down fire from heaven, he's running for his life from Jezebel. Satan never rests. While we may experience victory today, we can be sure he's planning an attack for tomorrow. And he's always trying to steal attention away from God, which is interesting. Think about that. He's always trying to steal attention away from God. And that's often accomplished in our lives when he gets us to focus on ourselves. Jonah was more concerned here about being right than he was about the revival that was happening. Would we be thankful for a revival that didn't involve us? We, can, we should always be on guard against, as James 4, 5 puts it, no, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. 
So some objectives to think about tonight is to help us understand that Satan never gives up in his attempts to make us ineffective. Number two, to teach us that sometimes his most vicious attacks in our lives will come after some of God's greatest victories in our lives. Number three, um, as we'll look at kind of tonight, to see the effects of three very deadly sins, selfishness, anger, and slander might not think that last one maybe goes here, but it actually does. And then number four, to understand that we must never blame God for our circumstances. This is interesting. So lesson 11, a pouting prophet, as we see here. An entire city has just been converted through one sermon. If this isn't the greatest revival on record, it certainly was one of the quickest probably. It took longer for God to get the preacher to be willing to go than it did for him to change the city. Jonah witnessed something that very few people will ever witness, genuine revival. In fact, the only person who didn't have revival was the evangelist, <laughs> was the preacher. So point number one here. These all, all the main points, the blanks there, all start with a D. Yep, start with a D. So first point is a selfish close displeasure. Yep. A selfish displeasure. Second Timothy in Second Timothy three one, the Bible says this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. One of the characteristics of these perilous last days, and of course, no doubt, crime, moral corruption, moral indecencies, and religious hypocrisy, right? But verse number two tells us really the real problem. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's really what it is. D.L. Moody used to say, the man I fear the most is the one who walks underneath this hat. When Abraham Lincoln was running for president of the United States, a reporter asked him if he feared any of his opponents. He said, yes, one. Porter was somewhat surprised and said, which one? Lincoln responded by saying, a man named Lincoln. If I am defeated, I will be defeated by a man named Lincoln. Interesting. Every single person in Jonah chapter 3 experienced revival except Jonah. And he was his own worst enemy. Why? So subpoint A, both of these start with a K. Selfishness is a something of joy. Killer. Yep. Selfishness is a killer of joy. Pity parties are not happy events. No one is ever happy sitting in a corner feeling sorry for himself. There's only sometimes it's how easy it feels kind of gratifying, but we're so miserable at the same time, you know? Paul reminds us that selfishness kills joy every single time in our lives. Philippians 2, 2-4, to four, that's the first verses on the sheet there. Fill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. <clears throat> Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Too often... We serve God, or perhaps do what's right because of what's in it for ourselves. Paul shows us just the opposite. 
motivation in 1 Corinthians 10.33. Even as I please all men of all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Whether it's in ministry or in your family or society, we should remember that love seeketh not our own. In 1 Corinthians 13.5. So then subpoint B, selfishness is a something to jealousy. Longer form of that. Kindred. Selfishness is a kindred to jealousy. It's easy to see the jealousy that's present here in Jonah's life. He was sure that Nineveh deserved judgment just as he had received for his disobedience. He wants them to do a little well time, too, themselves. It didn't fare very well for Joseph's brothers when they became jealous of his coat of many colors. Nothing but trouble followed them the rest of their lives. You kind of see that following through Genesis there. Genesis 37, verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Saul's demise started when he heard the women singing and praising David for killing Goliath, 1 Samuel 18.8. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. What can he have more, than, more but the kingdom? The elder son in Luke 15 didn't seem to care about the disobedience of his brother until he repented and came home. And he was angry and would not go in. See that in uh, Luke 15, 28. Proverbs 6, 34 warns us, for jealousy is the rage of a man. It can drive us, drive you, drive me to do foolish things, basically, on that. Point two. We had a selfish displeasure. Now we have a surly Disposition. But he is batting really good tonight. A surly disposition, and he was very angry. Jonah 4 1. Anger is one letter short of danger. It's interesting to note that in the passages that we cited earlier about Joseph's brothers, King Saul, the elder son, anger is mentioned in connection with their jealousies and selfish disposition. Someone once said, I get angry, but it's all over in a minute. So is the nuclear bomb. Point A, the something of anger. These are, I'll start with a D. The something of anger. Not quite, not downfall. It's a D-E. Someone who's angry generally doesn't have a very pleasant this. Similar. Similar word as to that. A display. The demeanor. Demeanor. The demeanor. Someone said it, I missed it. The demeanor of anger. Have you ever met some, someone who just seemed to have a chip on their shoulder about everything? seems that no matter what happens to them, they're always angry at something. Anger has become a life-dominating problem. Re Hebrews 12, 15 informs us to be on guard against a root 
of bitterness. It doesn't say necessarily a plant. It just says a root of bitterness. This root springing up, blooming, blossoming, will trouble you, and as a result, many will be defiled. Not just you, but many will be defiled. Do you find yourself angry when others are rejoicing? Check your roots. There's a cause to this demeanor of anger. Be sure to notice what God says and what he calls the angry person in Ecclesiastes 7.9. That's the next verse. Be not hasty in my spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. It's not a pleasant description, is it? Subpoint B, have the demeanor of anger, now the something of anger. Display. Display is not one of the ones for here. This is more kind of what it can bring. It starts with a D-I, D-I-S. <laughs> you guys are all right around it. The disgrace, disgrace of anger. Because it really is, think about it, an absolute disgrace that in the midst of this revival happening in Nineveh, Jonah is outside sulking and seething in anger with it. Proverbs 14.7 tells us, He that is soon angry deals foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. An angry person is never a respected person. No one wants to follow someone who is angry. Might slightly add to that, generally, except by other angry people. Think of some movements in our culture and society today. What are those pretty a big characteristic of people who are generally involved in that? Very angry, generally. Breeds company. Matthew 5.22 warns us of the results of anger. Think of this is Jesus. No, but I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So then now subpoint C, we had the demeanor of anger, the disgrace of anger, and now the, think of maybe the results of anger. Close. What was that? I heard it, I think. Nope, not that. So the D-A. A danger. D-A-M. The damage. The damage of anger. Someone has wisely stated, anger is like acid. It does more damage to the container in which it's stored than on anything it is poured. Just a way to think about it. Just think about us anger inside of us, we keep it inside of us, we're the container for it, it does damn more damage to us than it does to anybody else that it's put on. This is an interesting, uh, <clears throat> interesting analogy here. It says, there was once a Quaker who owned a very ornery cow. Every time he milked her, it was a clash of two wills. This particular morning, she was unusually irritable, but he was determined to endure the session without speaking so much as a cross word. As the farmer began to milk her, old Bossy, not Bessie, old Bossy, stepped on his foot with all her might. He struggled silently, groaned a little under his breath, pulled his foot free, then sat back down on the stool. 
She then swished her tail in his face like a long string whip. He merely leaned away so it wouldn't be able to reach him. Next, she kicked over the bucket by then half full of warm milk. He started over, mumbling a few words to himself, but he never lost his cool. Once finished with the ordeal, he breathed a sigh of relief, picked up the bucket and stool, and as he was leaving, she hauled off and kicked him against the barn wall 12 feet away. That did it. He stood to his feet, marched in front of his cow, stared into those big eyes, and he shook a long, bony finger <laughs> in his face. In her face, he shouted, Thou dost know that I am a Quaker. Thou dost know also that I cannot strike thee back but I can sell thee to a Presbyterian. <laughs> Get a handle on your anger. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. By the grace of God, we must be self-disciplined in our spirits. Proverbs 16.32 he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Not only do our actions get us in trouble in life, but our reactions do as well. We need to exercise discretion with respect to those reactions. Proverbs 19.11 states, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over transgressions. God gives some great advice in James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So moving on now to point three. We had a selfish displeasure, a surly disposition, and now um, point three, a slanderous... Not defiance. Because I guess what is Jonah basically saying? What is he doing in the first in those two verses, one and two? So he's giving a slanderous. A slanderous something for his actions. A slanderous defense. That is correct. Because if you can remember to the in, the in the introduction, we talked about three things: selfishness, anger, and slander. It's interesting. Verse two, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, "I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country?" Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So now to subpoint A, A, both of these start with an I, a something expose. I was wondering if expose was going to be the blank on this one, but but as a something expose. <laughs> Is what he's saying is what he's saying accurate and inaccurate expose because really you think about what he's saying it's pretty low he's accusing God basically of being wrong 
selfishness and surliness will lead you to slander. These character flaws will cause you to think if you can't be right, then nobody's going to be right, not even God. It's interesting. Um, I never really had seen this before until looking at this. What Jonah is basically saying, I told you so, God. But you think about that. Because he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? That kind of, isn't that kind of alluding to some conversation that Jonah had with God that's obviously not recorded for us in Scripture? Maybe it was all up here. Maybe he didn't verbalize it, but wasn't, didn't I say this when I was yet in my country? That's why I didn't want to go. It's kind of, it's kind of it's, to me, it kind of is alluding to some conversation that he had with God that obviously was not recorded for us here, but in that whole context of God, after God told him to go. We should never, we can, but we shouldn't, question God's ways. He doesn't have to explain himself. Perhaps we would have chosen to destroy the people of Nineveh, but we also don't possess the grace and mercy that God does. Isaiah 55, 8-9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Psalm 18, 30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. We may not always understand, but in Psalm 145, 17, says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. We also should be careful of our thoughts toward God. As clay, we shouldn't and must not question the potter. Romans 9, 18 to 21. Therefore, have ye mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will and whom he will he hearkeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that defiest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor? So we had an inaccurate expose, and now we have a something excuse. Not inadequate. You think of it was an inaccurate expose. That was kind of the first part of verse 2. So now he's kind of given a something excuse. It's close. An insulting, an insulting excuse. Even more disgusting than Jonah's accusation against God's mercy is that's his sorry excuse for his own disobedience. See, he has kind of the gall to say in verse 2 to tell God that it was this very, God's very mercy that caused him to disobey <laughs> in the first place. Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. It's kind of bringing to mind Jesus, one of the, remember the parable of the talents, the man with the fur, they got the one, 
because he digged it, and then it's in one of the Gospels. Specifically, says, no, I knew that art an austere man, no, reaping where their hats not sowed and gathering where their hats not strawed. Basically, it's your fault that I didn't do it because I was too thing. Kind of, kind of bringing that to mind with this. It's a kind of an excuse, it's an assaulting excuse. It's a dangerous thing to slander the Lord. Proverbs 19.3. The foolishness of man perverted his way, his heart treadeth against the Lord. Paul warns us in Philippians 2.14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Are you murmuring in your life today against God for something that did not go well in your past? Are you disputing with him about how you've been treated or about your lot in life? The Corinthian church fell into that mode, and God gave them a little history lesson from the children of Israel and sternly stated in 1 Corinthians 10.10. 10, Neither murmured ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of their destroyer. Interesting. Were destroyed of the destroyer. The next time you think that you got a raw deal... Think about Christ on the cross. Did he deserve to be spit upon, cursed, and crucified? He was without sin. Even Pilate found no fault in him. 1 Peter 2, 22-20. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. It's kind of a little bit of a shorter lesson tonight, but with the pouting prophet, of course, we saw that the selfish displeasure, which kind of led to a surly disposition that ultimately came to a slanderous defense of him, of him, of himself, at God's expense, so to speak, on that. Kind of an interesting interesting lesson on that. Any thoughts? Anything that stood out to you at all? Anything interesting? It's a little bit of a, maybe not as easy to take some than some other ones, you know, because kind of hits home a little bit in some things. Anything stood out to you? Just with the Talking about selfishness and failure. Uh, me focus is can work joy. It doesn't feel good. Joan was selfish and showed in his response. We feel so gratified doing it, don't we? But then but you're miserable in the point and the whole point with it. That's kind of like you can't even see the forest for the trees sometimes on that. And then later you realize, man, that was really stupid. <laughs> what are they thinking there and acting like that? But in the, in the moment, you know, it feels so, so gratifying to be like that. Anything else? If you are that way, people will not be around you. But then, like, as a Christian, just how kind of sad that is. But I definitely have come out of the Abby's one of those people. And it's just it's very encouraging. 
I didn't do spend time with everybody here. So like I really do spend time with her because she is just a very polished lady. Um, like I like Anything else? Something I just kind of thought of with this note. When we give excuses sometimes for ourselves and for our sin, a lot of them really end up blaming God for it. Think of Adam. What did he say? That woman that you gave me. Jonah. I knew you're so merciful, God. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to do it. And you think of like uh, other, other times, though, if this person hadn't been there, no, I wouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? This hadn't happened, I wouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? It's like so many other times it's really blaming God, really, for sin. But any other Last thoughts, parting thoughts. So lesson 12 is uh, next week a pathetic position. And the last lesson, the book is uh, a painful prison, is, the, is how that ends. I was actually starting to look at some, this afternoon, or maybe some, some things for next existential email with uh, some options to look at when you get a chance. But some interesting, uh, again, this has been a very different kind of st series and study than um, some of the other ones have been on Sunday nights, just the way it's structured and written, but it's been good. It's been a, uh, a different kind of, uh, a different kind of study on that, but let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you for, thank you for the lesson this evening, and as we think of Jonah and just his situation and with these times and everything, Lord, that uh, we see the, of course, it's really easy to look at it and just kind of really get down on him, but really when we think about it, how uh, often we find ourselves in that spot too, Lord, of having a selfish, a selfish displeasure of some things and often have a very surly disposition and then can lead to giving a slanderous defense for um, excuse for why we do what we do or did what we did, and often it involves blaming you in some way, shape, or form for it. But help us not to, um, one, to get to that point, attitude-wise. Um, can we think of just your mercy and your grace that you showed each and every one of us that really we have nothing really to ever complain about, frankly. But never thinking like of things in our lives, of either things in our past or in our present, that um, there's really, again, nothing that we can complain about because thinking about you got the ultimate mistreatment, but when you were reviled, you reviled not again. And when you suffered, you threatened not, but you committed yourself to him that judged righteously to God, and we should do the same. And ask you that you'd... Uh, Help us this week to be able to, to think about these things, to kind of be meditating on them, um, and not just forget about it. It's so easy to do. And I see to keep us um, safe and in your will this week as we um, go about our jobs and 
just the daily things of life and bring us back together again on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen.